Well, good evening. Wonderful to be here. My name is Steve, as Robbie said. I'm the executive pastor of the church, and that's just what I do in the day job. But occasionally I get to have the opportunity to stand up here and bring the word of God, which is a great privilege. Just launching off that video there that Matt introduced this Wednesday evening, can I just encourage you to come? As he said, we're going to bring our failures, our imperfections, our hurts, our guilt, our shame, all of those things. Like if you've walked in here even today and, and you feel like you might be the only one that's ever failed God, uh, trust me, you're not alone. We're all in the same boat. Every single one of us is, uh, is, is in need of God's grace, his forgiveness. And so if you've walked in here tonight, you're just exploring faith, maybe just testing, who is this Jesus? And you you might feel just a little awkward. Well, I just want you to feel comfortable to be amongst us because there's not one of us who's actually got our act together yet, right? We're all on a journey. So welcome tonight and it's great that you're amongst us. Uh, Matt actually did speak a couple of weeks ago a message on the joy of humility and, and it's again if we reflect on this corporate confession thing that we're, we're calling us to, we believe that in this season right now that God is actually leading us into a place of humility, a place of surrender. We just really feel that's a, a, a word that God has put on our heart, something that he wants us to actually press into all the more. And we heard again a few weeks ago where one of the great enemies of humility is actually pride. And pride actually came back at Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve chose to rebel against God. And in so doing, they accepted the forbidden fruit, they ate of it, and pride entered their heart, and they actually, sin entered the world. And pride then has become a universal problem. And not only is it a universal problem, but the antidote to that universal problem that we all share is humility. So let's just unpack just a little bit. What then is humility? We use that word, we throw it around, but do we truly understand what humility actually is, what it looks like, and why do we even need it? Now the first thing I'll say is, and it was shared a couple of weeks ago, humility is not failed pride. See, when Genesis 3, when all that fall took place, Humanity lost its sense of identity, which was found in connection with God. And when that separation happened, mankind, people, men and women, then began this pursuit of trying to actually prove themselves in some fashion. They had an identity vacuum which needed to be fulfilled, and that was done, and we do it even now, through comparison and through competition. We get into this thing where we all want to climb a ladder and compare ourselves with others, and some win and some lose. And so that sense in times when we lose, it's actually just failed pride. It's not humility itself. You know, there's a famous boxer you may have heard, like some of you in this room are old enough like me to remember, a guy by the name of Muhammad Ali. Who remembers Muhammad Ali or or you've heard of him, some of the youngsters? Now, Muhammad Ali was the great heavyweight boxer, uh, champion of the world back in the 1970s into the 80s. And I mean, if, if... we're talking about humility. It was probably the very trait which least described Muhammad Ali. He was a man who made the most ridiculous boasts, trash talk the entire time. He would say things like, I am the greatest. I float like a butterfly. I sting like a bee and all these sorts of things. And he would go on and on. And, 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 and yeah, you said he used to even refer to himself as the black Superman. Uh, such was the, the nature of the man. I mean, he could fight, don't worry. He knew how to handle himself. But So uh, in some sense, the boasts were justified. However, he was not a humble man. 
Now, in his prime, as the story goes, that he once boarded a, an aeroplane and he was sitting on that aeroplane about to take off and the stewardess came up to him and said, you better put your seatbelt on. To which he quipped back, he said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. Such was the bragging nature of it. And of course, the steward then comes back straight away. Yeah, and Superman don't need no airplane either. So Muhammad Ali, as I understand, quickly put his seatbelt back on. So you can imagine, yeah, just the, the, the humiliation back in that moment. And therefore, let me just say, humility is not equivalent to humiliation. You know, our egos get in the way sometimes. Matt referred to it like this balloon that got, gets puffed up. The bigger our ego becomes, the more tender it becomes, the more opportunity there is for something which come along and, and prick that ego and actually cause it to burst. And, and so that is in some sense humiliation. The Bible actually says in Proverbs 16 verse 28, pride uh, goes before destruction and a haughty spirit, haughty, just another way of saying proud, a haughty spirit comes before a fall. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Our balloons will pop. Or to paraphrase, if you want to put it in this way, is be humble or else you'll stumble. Be humble or else you'll stumble. If you become haughty, if you become proud in your heart, you will ultimately fall. And it says in the Bible that God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So it's, pride is not something we want to cling to. We actually want to embrace humility. Because we want to be recipients of grace, right? God's favour on our life. So therefore, let's put away pride and let's seek humility. So pride then, it, it, it's not false humility. It's, it's, sorry, it's not failed pride and it's not humiliation. But it's also not thinking less of yourself than you ought. You know, some people think, oh, you know, they put themselves down and they, uh, they denigrate themselves in some fashion. That, that's essentially a false humility. And in fact, humility, as I say, is not thinking less of yourself or comparing yourselves with others and thinking that I'm somehow below them or this ranking thing. That's that comparison game I talk about. And it doesn't mean having a low opinion of the gifts that God has given to us. In fact, Paul says in Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather with, you think of yourself rather with sober judgment. Don't think of yourself more highly than you ought, but equally don't think of yourself less than you ought. God doesn't make trash. God makes good things. He makes us in his image. And so we are called to think of ourselves with a sober judgment, to think of ourselves appropriately, not think of ourselves as greater than we are, certainly don't think of ourselves as less of we are than we are. And there was a guy called Mac Davis who was a country and western singer back in the, he wrote this song in 1980. I'm going to attempt to sing it. Here we go. Don't give up your day job. <laughs> this is my day job. Actually, I'm paid to preach and I think not swing. But anyway, here we go. It goes, Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. Who knows this one? I can't wait to look in the mirror because I get better looking each day. Kim, you're right into it. <laughs> to know me is to love me. I must be one, I'll say heck of a man, he used a different word. Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble, but I'm doing the best that I can. Yeah, so that's how it went, right? Now that, that is false humility, right? Right there. I mean, that's a guy who's puffed up. That's not what we're talking about. In fact, Philippians chapter 2, verse 4, let's open the scripture. Let's, it'll be on the screen. And it says here, let each of you... Look out not only for your own interests, but to, 
also the interests of others. Let each of you not think of your own interests, but also the interests of others. See, humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's actually thinking less about yourself. I'll say that again. Humility is not just thinking less of yourself, but thinking less about yourself. To be other-centred. Humility really gives you the freedom to be less focused in on yourself one way or another and giving over those things in, in, in preference to others. To be other-centred rather than self-centred. Which leads me to speak, I've spoken a lot of what humility isn't. Let's speak about what humility is. Because the very next verses in this Philippians 2 passage that I'm referring to goes on to talk about Jesus. And it says this of him. Your attitude, in fact, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being very, in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. If you want to know what humility looks like, that's it right there. Don't look to the interests of only yourself, but also the interests. And it says your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Three things that come out of that message there about Jesus. The first is this, surrender. It says, he who was being in very nature God did not consider equality with God to be something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. He chose to surrender. All of that, all of the privilege of being God, he gave up in order to come and be amongst us fully God of course but he gave up all the privileges that went with his close fellowship with the father in heaven the second thing that comes out of that passage which which is the epitome of of humility is servanthood see it says of him he emptied himself he emptied himself of his self-interests and his privileges in fact in another part of the bible it says son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many so servanthood, surrender, servanthood, and the third thing is sacrifice. Because it speaks there of Jesus becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Humility lay, requires us to lay down our lives and follow the example of Jesus and die in order to serve others. Not literally die, but die to ourselves and our own pleasures, our own desires. So it begs the question, well, why would we want to do that? Who, who likes the idea of surrender and sacrifice and servanthood? Not many, right? It doesn't really wash in our, in our present day, the sort of world we live in, that's not a, a feel-good message, right? But it's the message that we're, we're called to as Christians. Because the reason why we do it, and Matt spoke about it the other week, is for the joy, the joy of coming into that place of humility. In fact, the Bible describes it this way. It calls it a place of rest. The, the Hebrew word is Shabbat or Shab Sabbath, which we get that, we often refer to as that day of rest on a Sunday. But it's actually a continual state of being where we actually dwell in the Sabbath of God, in the rest of God, and we enter that through faith. 1 Peter 5, 6 says this of humility. It says, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may lift you up in due time. We're to humble ourselves under God's hand. He will lift us up. So we don't have to exalt ourselves. We don't have to uh, lift ourselves up. 
let God will do that and he'll do it in his way and in his time. Because again, we're going to read on in Philippians because this is the very next verse. After Jesus talked, went through that surrender, his servanthood and his sacrifice, it says this of him. Therefore God exalted him. God exalted Jesus. And putting him in the highest place, gave him the name that is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. To the glory of God the Father. So here it is, Jesus humbling himself, ultimately God exalted him to the highest place. So that's what humility is. That's why, that's why we want to know how to enter into humility. So let's take a look then at how it is that we walk, the way of humility. We, the other week, like I say, we spoke about the joy of humility. Today we're going to talk about the way of humility. Now let me just simply say this. The way of humility is somewhat elusive. The reality is we can't attain humility. That's rather discouraging, isn't it, after everything I've just said in the last 10 minutes? Well, let me just say it this way. We can't attain humility. We can't attain. Or say it this way. We, we can't attain humility. Or we can't achieve humility. It's not going to be through human effort. It's actually a work of God. And it doesn't come when we pursue humility as, as an aim in and of itself. Because it's like, a bit like chasing a rainbow, that you, you, you know, when a rainbow lands on the ground, you might see it. It looks like it's 100 metres away. You walk toward it and it's still a further 100 metres. And you walk toward it, it's further 100 metres again. It's a little bit like that if we were to pursue humility. We'll actually never quite get there. However, rather than leaving you in that discouraged state, let me, let me um, in fact, before I do that, I'll, I'll, I'll just refer to a book by C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, for those who may not know, he was a prolific uh, writer who became a Christian later in life and he, he contributed a huge amount to, uh, to the whole Christian faith in terms of the, his writings. This is about the 1930s, 1940s when Lewis was around and he wrote this book called The Screwtape Letters and some of you may have heard it. Now it is a bit of a satirical sort of um, writing and it's, it's sort of some, it's fictional but effectively what it is, it's, it's two demons Sitting in, you know, in, up there looking down on this young Christian who's trying to make his way, and, and they call him the patient. This, this particular guy, and he's going through, and 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 Screwtape is is a senior demon and a senior senior devil, and he's talking to this Wormwood. He's, he's actually his nephew. He's a junior, and he's teaching him the way of how to be a good devil. Is there such a thing? But anyway, trying to do his best. So here he is, and he's talking about this guy, the patient. And he said, uh, he said, your patient has become humble. He said, have you drawn his attention to the fact? He said, all virtues are less formidable to us once the man is aware that he has them. But this is especially true of humility. He goes on to say this. He said, smuggle into his mind the gratifying reflection. By Jove, I think I'm humble. And almost immediately pride, pride at his own humility will appear. And if he awakes to the danger and tries to smother this new form of pride, make him proud of his attempt and so on through as many stages as you please. Can you get it? I mean, the fact is when we pursue humility, we get to that point where we say, oh, oh Lord, it's hard to be humble. When you, you know, the, it's, it's like that, right? We, 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 the pursuit of humility ultimately ends in pride because we actually become puffed up, the fact that we're humble. So if you weren't discouraged before, you probably are now. 
But I'm not going to leave you there. Matthew 11. We're going back to the passage that we referred to a couple of weeks ago. Where Jesus says these words in Matthew 11 verse 28. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's that word, Shabbat, the Sabbath. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now the context of this particular passage, if you back up seven verses to verse 21, Jesus is actually, he actually begins to denounce a whole bunch of towns, places called Chorazin and Bethsaida and Capernaum, where he had actually been going around ministering to a whole lot of broken people and proclaiming the good news. But these people were, were religious types. They were not, not the people being ministered to, but there was a whole bunch of people who were resisting him who were religious types. They were, they were egotistical, they were intellectually proud, they were puffed up and they were rejecting the message of Jesus and Jesus begins to denounce them. He says, you know, if those miracles had have happened in Tyre and Sidon, essentially Gentile towns that had no regard for God whatsoever, he said they would have repented in sackcloth and ashes. In other words, they would have, they would have humbled themselves. And so he's rebuking these people who are, who are uh, you know, hardened their heart against God, against his teaching. And they'd formed their own views about how God worked and their, their view didn't include Jesus. And so it goes on after he does that. The, the text immediately before this one where he says, come to me, he says these in, in Matthew eleven twenty five. he says, at that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this was your, this is what you are pleased to do. See, these people that had felt like they had their whole paradigm worked out about how God worked and who he was. Jesus rebukes them and he says, actually, I don't reveal that to the wise and learned. He's not saying you have to be a dope to accept Jesus. He's just simply, simply saying you're not going to get there through human wisdom or intellect. You, in fact, you know, the, the Pharisees and the rabbis, the scribes, the teachers of the law, these people, they were doing exactly that. They were puffed up, as I say, in their intellectual pride. And they'd erected a whole system of religious observance which actually didn't include Jesus. But it was built on error and it wasn't built on truth. And while they clung to those rules and their regulations, you know, their clever reasoning, their man-made traditions, all these things, they would forever remain blind to God and they would not receive the, his, his revelation because they were not humble. And Paul the Apostle Paul, who wrote a significant portion of our New Testament, he actually says it this way in 1 Corinthians 2.9. He says this, he says, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. See, I has not seen and nor ear has heard. In other words, you cannot objectively discern the things of God and nor has entered into the heart of man. You can't know it by intuition either. It must be revealed by God and he reveals it to those who come as little children, those who are humble in heart. And so it's those who come like little children, those perhaps with limited skill, education, ability, human knowledge, all these sorts of things. They're the ones who God reveals himself to, the humble. And see, again and again throughout that scripture, we saw Jesus touching people, broken people. He heals a woman who's subject to bleeding for 12 years. He heals two blind men. He, he touches a paralytic and raises him up. 
And a man who couldn't speak is able to speak again. And so it is, Jesus moved with compassion. And it says a couple of chapters early in Matthew that Jesus went about all those cities, those cities where I mentioned, Chorazin, Bethsaida, Capernaum, etc. And those villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and they were scattered like sheep having no shepherd. They were weary and they were scattered. What did Jesus say? Come to me all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. Jesus was seeking out those who were broken, those who recognised their need, those who actually were humble. Come to me all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest. He gives the rest, rest to the contrite, rest to the broken, rest to those who are dependent on God and not on themselves. And the word weary actually in the, in the original language means you know, it's a sense of labour to the point of sweat and exhaustion. Those who, are, if you were to say, those who are of us who in that competition trap, in that comparison trap that we can get ourselves into, that's exhausting. We become weary, we become burdened of forever clamouring to try to prove ourselves in order to lift ourselves up. Those who are essentially trying to earn salvation or those who are trying to Get garner some sort of favour, if you will. And entering into the rest of God. Rest is essentially another way of talking about God's salvation. Entering into his salvation is to enter into the rest of God. So I'm going to go back into this passage just for a moment. Romans, uh, sorry, uh, Matthew 11, and just unpack three things that I'd like you to take today from the, this of what humility looks like for us. We've looked like it. We've, we've talked about what it looks like for Jesus, but he was God humbling himself. But we're not God, but we are called to live a life of humility. As I say, let's not pursue humility in itself. Let's pursue Jesus. Because when we pursue Jesus, humility then becomes the byproduct. In fact, I'd say to the point where if those who are truly humble don't even know that they're humble. Humility is actually an unconscious, is unconscious of itself. Those who are truly humble, as I say, they, they don't know it. But we can observe it. We see it. When Jesus says these words, come to me all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Come to me is just another word of saying, turn away. Turn away from that life of striving. Turn away from that wearying, burdensome, tiresome, clamouring life. We use a word in, in, in the Christian world called repentance. A repentance simply means turn around. So when we come to Jesus, it's essentially saying, turn away. Turn away from that way of living, that wearisome burdens in life and come to Jesus and find rest. Come into that place of salvation. Come as little children. So that's the first thing, we come in repentance. The two other things I want you to take from today, not just repentance, but also faith and submission. Firstly, I'll speak to faith. Because in saying, come to me, Yes, turn away from sin. Sin is just our way of doing things apart from God in our own rebellious sort of way, thinking that we are God or can be God or be our own God. We're recognising that we need to come to Jesus. Not only return away from sin, but turn towards Jesus in faith. And this is, if I, if I take you just briefly to Hebrews 4, there's actually a fascinating passage which talks about 
God's children, the Israelites, as they were coming out of, the, out of Egypt and they were in the wilderness and they were going, God told them to go in and take the promised land, that place of blessing, that place of God's fulfilling of his promises. And it was, in, it was before they actually went there and they brought this, the spies brought back, two spies brought back a good report, Joshua and Caleb, but the rest of them didn't. And they hardened their heart. And it says in Hebrews, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as they did in the rebellion. And God swore an oath, he says, that they will never enter my rest. They will never enter my salvation. They will never enter my promises of uh, that place of milk and honey, the place flowing with all the rich blessings of God. Because why? Because they actually hardened their heart. They did not respond in faith. They did not trust God at his word. And so it is that they wandered in the wilderness for a very, very long time. They did not enter the rest, the Sabbath of God. So it tells me as we come into this passage, even in, in Matthew 11, entering God's rest must be done through faith. That is believing God and acting in, on that belief. And Jesus says something really profound in, 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 in uh, John chapter 6 and verse 35 where he says these words, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me, that's that word, comes to me, will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. So you will never hunger nor thirst spiritually if we come to Jesus, which effectively is to believe in Jesus. So it's not just repentance, it's faith. It's faith to accept Jesus as our saviour. And in fact, faith is really the flip side of repentance. Turn away from sin, turn towards Jesus and receive him as saviour. And we're doing that, we're not turning to a church, a creed, a pastor, some religious observance. Uh, you know, we're turning to the one who is in very nature God, Jesus, God made flesh who came and made his dwelling amongst us. We enter into his rest by faith and taking God at his word. And so you know, to not do so actually leaves us in that place of lostness. And it's only as we come into that place of repentance and faith and the third, part, the third word I'd like to introduce this evening is submission. If you want to understand humility, it requires repentance, it requires faith, and it requires submission. And remember, this is what Jesus said in the next words in 1129. He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble in heart and you'll find rest. There it is again for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now the hearers, initial, original hearers of the day, they would understand, they would have seen yokes upon the, the back of the oxen, these wooden things that were sort of crafted to the, suit the particular animal. And they would be um, loaded up and they would actually bear these loads. And Jesus is saying, take my yoke, work with me, come to me, submit yourself under the yoke, not the yoke of oppression. It's not a burdensome yoke, it's not a heavy yoke. He says his, his yoke is easy, his burden is light, but it requires submission. We must submit to the yoke of Jesus. And he says, take my yoke upon me. And he says these words, and learn from me. We would put a, a Christian word around that we call discipleship. To learn from Jesus is actually to make ourselves a disciple of Jesus, to be one who's surrendered under his lordship. See, we don't just come to Jesus as saviour, we come and bow our knee to him as Lord. If you want to know humility, if we want to know the God's empowering presence in our life, it must come to that place where we bow our knee to him as Lord. We come into a place of discipleship, a place of learning. 
In fact, back in the days, the Jewish rabbis had this proverb which said these words. It says, put your neck under the yoke and let your soul receive instruction. Put your neck under the yoke and let your soul receive instruction. That's the nature of a disciple, of a learner, of one who's come to sit at the feet of Jesus and to learn. And so God's rest, his Sabbath, comes as we recognise our need and in humility we actually turn away from sin, we turn towards Jesus and we submit ourselves in in obedience to his words. So tonight, I want to challenge us. Have we come in faith? Have we come in repentance? Have we come in submission? Because tonight I just want to make the invitation to you. You might not have entered into Jesus' rest. You might not know his salvation. Or possibly you've known Jesus as Lord, but you've never really bowed the knee to him as, as, as sorry, you've known him as Savior, you've never bowed the knee to him as Lord. And I would invite us tonight, I'm just going to ask us to bow our, our heads and, our, and close our eyes as we just pray. Father, I pray that your spirit would move tonight. The Lord, through these words, that you would convict hearts and that, Lord, you would teach us your ways. Father, I pray in the hearing tonight of anyone at all who has not yet come to know Jesus Christ as Lord, that, your Lord, you'll just lie on their heart right now the need to repent, to put their faith in Jesus and submit themselves under the Master's yoke. Lord God, I pray in Jesus' name. And for those of us, Lord, who we've been faffing about as a, you know, calling ourselves Christian yet living like the world, those of us, Lord, who've not truly bowed the knee to Jesus or may have one time bowed the knee to Jesus and yet have chosen to walk away, God, we call them home again, Lord, tonight into a place of repentance, faith and submission. Lord, glorify your name. Tonight, if I've prayed that prayer, for the first one, if, if you come tonight, just again, as the eyes are bowed, uh, heads are bowed and the eyes are closed, tonight, if you have come and, and as I've prayed that prayer, you say yes to Jesus, you're saying, yes, Jesus, I want to accept you as my saviour. I want to receive you as my Lord. I want to submit myself. If there's anyone tonight, I'm the only one who can see, you just raise your hand for me. Just do it real quick. Anyone at all. You've never known Jesus. You've never known him as saviour. But you're saying, Steve, tonight I want to receive Jesus. I want, him, I want to know him. I want to know this rest. I'm sick of striving. I'm sick of trying. I'm, I'm weary and I'm, I'm burdened and I just want to know Jesus. Anyone, anyone at all. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. And for the rest of us, let's just be encouraged by that word tonight. Because I'm going to finish with Jeremiah 6 and verse 16. See, in Jeremiah, which is an Old Testament book, there's a scripture that actually puts a challenge to us. It says this, it says, Stand at the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient paths where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we'll not walk in it. Let that not be us tonight. Let us, it says here, you know, stand at the crossroads and look, look for the ancient paths and walk in it and you'll find rest for your souls. Again, the parallel verse but it says you'll not walk in it. That's not for us tonight. We're going to say yes to Jesus, right? All of us, we're going to respond in faith. We're going to say, yes, Jesus, I'm going to receive this. Tonight I'm going to repent of my sin. I'm going to turn in faith to you and I'm going to surrender under the yoke that you put upon me, Lord, that I might walk with you. That's a decision we need to make every day, every Sunday, day by day, every waking hour. Let's make that decision. So we're going to say yes to Jesus tonight, right? 
Amen. So let's stand together and let's sing that together. Come on.